0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A conversation you might like to be part of over this next hour. We're going to touch on a number of issues and you might have your say on any of those issues. Some of these are, well I'm just trying to think which one's most important but every one of the issues we'll talk about this coming hour are incredibly important issues and you might have your own insight, you might have a question to ask, you'll be welcome to do that. We'll open our talk back lines on 1-800-316-316. So an opportunity today to talk about, let me just outline in an introduction some of the things that we'll be talking about over this next hour. The threats to Australia's freedom of speech, freedom of religion and freedom for parents to raise their children. As well, we want to touch on some of the big issues that we're seeing in the headlines, like sexual harassment in the workplace. And you'll be familiar with all of those headlines about the American Academy Award-winning producer Harvey Weinstein and all of the accusations and the discussion that that has stimulated about sexual harassment, whether that's in Hollywood or in the workplace. You might have your own thoughts to add to that conversation. And we're also going to touch on the significant issues unfolding today in Victoria where the Andrews government is likely to attempt to pass a bill allowing euthanasia. And somehow or other, as I said, when you try to prioritise what's most important to talk about, uh, neither one of those seems to be anywhere at the bottom of the list. They're all headline issues for us to talk about as Christian believers. Well, our special guest through this hour is Wendy Francis. She's the Queensland State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby And she also holds a special portfolio position as being the spokesperson on issues affecting women and children. And I want to make a special welcome to 2020 to you, Wendy Francis.
1: It's always so good to be with you, Neil. I appreciate your time.
0: Wendy, we're going to get onto this sexual harassment issue in just a few moments, but uh, just let me... Uh, honour you for the hard work and commitment that you're putting in because I know that you're putting in many, many long hours and uh, talking into some very controversial issues with the overall marriage debate as it's going on in Australia. Yeah. And I know that there are significant developments. There's a small army, and let me just rephrase that. There's a large army of people who are, in fact, on the team, which has now become known as the Freedom Team. Correct. And they are, in fact, door-knocking. They're talking to people yep. all around the nation because the issue of marriage is just so important. They are. Uh, the developments. What are your thoughts are. on So
1: it? in our office, we also have a call centre and people are being called as well just to follow up, not to try and coerce them at all, but just to say, have you voted? Because we'll find out today, again, an update on how many have actually voted in our country, but... At least thirty percent is still not voted. So we're talking a third of people still yet to vote. So we need people to vote. As many of those people who haven't voted are actually people who don't really care about about the issue. But they don't they're not realizing the consequences that will come. So as you say, this freedom team is absolutely amazing. God always promises to bring good um when we when we bring things to him um, carefully in prayer. And this has been bathed in prayer. And if there's a good thing that's come out of this, it's been a mobilisation of people across the nation. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who are involved. There's over a million people who have downloaded the Freedom app. And if you haven't yet and you're listening, I encourage you to do that and people are getting involved they're talking to their neighbors they're, they're emailing their MPs they're really engaged in this in this issue
0: let me just uh, stop and reflect on one of those numbers you mentioned there mm. more than a million people have downloaded the freedom team app, app. and uh, and it's that sort of figure that made me uh, think again about saying is there a small army of volunteers yeah. that are actually wanting to defend uh, these issues of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the freedom of parents to raise their children.
1: Absolutely.
2: Uh, this
0: is a large army. In fact uh, as I'm a, as I'm led to understand uh, that million might actually be an outdated figure and there might be an awful lot more who've actually downloaded that app and are part of the freedom team. Correct
1: and on that app it's not only just an encouragement to get out and speak to your neighbours but as, um, there's words that you can use, there's, there's ideas but there's also news and so every day news is updated. It's also an encouragement there because you go on you can see what other people are doing and you can get ideas as to how you can peacefully and civilly just be able to speak to people about what is actually this what does this campaign actually mean and what are the consequences that will come and we know I mean you're going to talk to me today about freedom of speech and and parents rights to actually even have what their children are being taught at school um, to have a say in that and so these are the consequences that we're facing and people are, are really being engaged in that.
0: Yes, we'll be continuing the conversation about these issues and the invitation there to listeners to join in the conversation on one eight hundred 316, 316. Uh, Let's uh, jump around a little bit on some of these issues we'll talk about yeah. and see if we can get a little in-a-nutshell idea of the direction today because we also want to talk about this sexual harassment in the workplace and uh, everybody who's watched anything on TV and seeing the news headlines, will be familiar with the Hollywood producer, Harvey Weinstein, who is embroiled in a major controversy over sexual harassment allegations. Mm. Now, as I reflect on this man, uh, 303 Oscar nominations, uh, 175 Academy Awards, this is the films that he's produced, Uh, and in all of this time, uh, 30-odd years or more, uh, there have been all of these uh, issues mm. of sexual harassment that yes. he is now only now uh, being accused, and these allegations are coming to light in actual fact, I think there has been a number of settlements uh, yes, to have. women, uh, eight of them in my information yes. so so it 's not something that is somehow rather completely uh, no. under cover it 's been out in the open but only now really being called to account. Mm. What are your thoughts on on when this sort of story comes to light, what that means to women around the world and women and all people here in Australia?
1: So it's a cultural issue, um, Neil, and this has been happening for a long time. I think, uh, first of all, I would say a couple of weeks before all of this came to light, we had the death of Hugh Hefner, who established the Playboy Mansion. Now, when he died, there were eulogies, there were RIPs, there were all these... Twitter's Twitter went crazy with, with stars who were saying, you know, great to know you, Hef, uh, you know, thanks for all you did. And, and I must admit at the time I was absolutely repulsed by the response. There were very few people who came out and actually exposed Hugh Hefner for what he was. But Harvey Weinstein actually acted out everything that Hugh Hefner actually taught through his media uh, mogul sort of machine that he had. And so then all of a sudden we're shocked by Harvey Weinstein's behaviour when a couple of weeks before we're all you know, raving about what Hugh Hefner did. So I think there's a basic cultural problem. But as you say, there's been at least eight settlements. So when we find out that Harvey Weinstein's company fired him, they didn't fire him because they found out what he was doing. They fired him because we found out uh, what he was doing. And so... What shocks me, I guess, is that there's strong women who are now coming out and saying, well, it happened to me, it happened to me. And so what I'm hoping is that this will actually, I guess, embolden women across the world um, this is not acceptable behaviour. But we have a cultural issue, and I've talked to you before about the sexualisation of our society. We allow stuff in our society that is actually grooming men and grooming women for an understanding that this is what women are for and this is what men can expect. And and then we seem surprised. And I mean, even in Hollywood, Hugh Hefner has our Hollywood star on the Hollywood Boulevard of Fame. So we, we honour a man who actually is the king of pornography.
0: So there are going to be questions about how you change the culture. And we've got culture heading in uh, particular directions right now, which might not indicate that it's headed for any sort of good change. I want to invite listeners. You might have your own thoughts on the Harvey Weinstein uh, episodes uh, you can call us be part of our conversation today on one 316 316 800 316 316 there are lots of things to talk about today Wendy the other one that uh, that we wanted to mention was uh, was things that are going on uh, by way of uh, freedom of religion freedom of speech and there are significant things that are now afoot in the Northern Territory Mm. and uh, an opportunity today to just air some of those possibilities that Mm. what might be going on in the Northern Territory and whether this is like a test case for what might be coming for the rest of Australia. What's your understanding of developments in the Northern Territory?
1: Absolutely. I've heard um, what's happening in the Northern Territory. They're um, they're under review of their Anti-Discrimination Act. I've heard it described as a, a blueprint for life in a genderless society. Um, So we've got the Christian Schools Australia Chief Executive Mark Spencer saying that this is a most extreme attack on um, particular schools of faith. So what the Northern Territory Government are doing is that they they do have their anti-discrimination stuff under review. Um, it's getting an overhaul. And their, uh, Attorney General, uh, Natasha Files, who I've met, she, she won't rule out the possibility that religious schools will be banned from excluding staff and students on the basis of faith. So she won't rule out that teachers will not be, um, if you want to employ a, a staff member, you will have to employ the most highly qualified. So it would be like um, the Greens having to employ Malcolm Senator Malcolm Roberts. So Senator Malcolm Roberts is a denier of some of the climate change um, talk that's out there. It would be like if he was the most highly qualified, the Greens having to employ him, in the same way a faith school having to employ somebody who is completely um, opposite to the doctrine that they want to teach. They're proposing changes to acts, any exemption given to religious and cultural groups, to discriminate against those who disagree with their beliefs. I think the other thing that's really important to know too is that they, the discussion paper that they have on the table at the moment, and we have until the 3rd of December to actually contribute to this, so I would encourage listeners in the Northern Territory to contribute, but the discussion paper also includes proposals to repeal the definitions of man and woman in Um, all Northern Territory legislation. So they they are moving towards a genderless society, uh, I think in anticipation of what may come following the outcome of the plebiscite.
0: Wendy, as all of these things come to light, uh, for people who are still thinking somehow rather that this upcoming... Uh, postal plebiscite survey is all about just whether gay people get to marry one another. Uh, There's a whole uh, compounded uh, set of uh, incredible things that we would never have thought would be coming upon Australia, but Mm. this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, These things are all connected with this marriage survey.
1: Absolutely, and we keep on hearing love is love, and if anybody even spends a little bit of time thinking about that, they will know that that's actually not True, Love is not just love. Love, um, There are different types of love. And the whole equality, unfortunately, um, the left at the moment have really captured a lot of our, our language. And so, of course, we believe in equality. Uh, you and I um, are different, but we're equal. And you don't have to be the same to be equal. And so uh, there are so many consequences, and I guess one of the major ones that we've just talked about is freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion. But I'm also extremely concerned for our children's education. So once you remove gender from marriage, it really is the last bastion of a gendered um, legislative, something in our legislation. If we remove that, we're actually removing gender from our our society. If if you if people are wondering about whether there will be any consequences, well, the consequences are already happening. Uh, we we had um, last year uh, Archbishop Julian Porteous in Tasmania, who was taken before the anti discrimination tribunal simply because he distributed a it was a pastoral letter, um, and it was basically don't mess with marriage, and it was explaining to his parish. So it wasn't going public, but it was explaining to his parish what the Catholic Church actually believed about marriage. Now, um, an an activist went online, downloaded the book and then chose to be offended. So this activist went out of her way to be offended for a start. I'd like to make that point. It wasn't even something that she received. She went online, downloaded it, made a complaint. The complaint was actually upheld. um, And so the the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal believed that Archbishop Julian Porteous did have something to answer for, even though his booklet was actually describing what current Australian law actually has in law about marriage. So, the the case was actually um, withdrawn by the uh, the complainant, but it was never actually settled. And so these things, it was never said. Well, he didn't have a case to answer. The case still was there, um, but the complainant withdrew the complaint.
0: Well, you might have your thoughts on those issues when we talk about religious freedom, freedom of speech, 1-800-316-316. The other big issue to touch on, and uh, then we'll take a break and we'll start to enlarge on some of these issues, uh, is what's happening in Victoria today where the Parliament resumes today. The Andrews government uh, is likely to attempt to ram through a euthanasia bill, uh, that's assisted suicide for Victoria. Uh, Wendy, you're across some of these details. The ACL has some uh, some uh, some writing about this sort of uh, detail about what's happening in Victoria. Uh, just how serious is it in your mind uh, that the Andrews government is pursuing this and really at what seems to be a fast pace? It is
1: very serious. Interestingly, today in the news, the Deputy Premier, James Molino, is actually putting a proposal forward to try and slow this down because, as you say, it is being pushed through and they do want to push it through today. But he's himself, and this is part of the government, is saying that there are uncertainties about the lethal drugs that will be used. He himself is saying that there is um, there is not enough safeguards still in place. And I would say to you and to your listeners, there will never be enough safeguards to put in place to make something like killing somebody um, safe.
0: A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Just great to have you along with us on this Tuesday edition of 2020 and Wendy Francis from the Australian Christian Lobby, our guest. We're talking through a whole bunch of issues you might like to contribute on any one of the ones that we have been talking about. Uh, let's come back to what we were discussing with the marriage campaign yep. and of course uh, just a few weeks away uh, not much time now for people to get their uh, postal plebiscite survey form in no. now when we talk about when people are uh, doing things aggressively uh, violently uh, and making their point sometimes it's on both sides mm-hmm. uh, most people agree that the majority of the violent things and and aggressive things that are being said are coming from the yes campaign although let me just draw attention to uh, one issue that came out from a small town in Queensland uh, where uh, where a church has been distributing some of its tracts but people have been adding their own little written piece on the bottom and getting under people's skins you do have to be very careful, Wendy Francis, when you are, in fact, engaging in this debate and always doing this with a level of courtesy and mm. respect. Uh, some of those things that are that have been said in this particular one small town, which we won't yep. mention, yep. Uh, are not necessarily respectful.
1: No, they're not. And so what Jesus tells us always to do is to speak the truth in love. And so our tone really matters, but it is important that we are free to speak the truth. If I could make a comment on what you just said in that, if what I think we really need to do is to look at the leaders of both campaigns. And so if you look at the leaders of the No campaign, I, I, I would challenge anybody to come up with anything that has been disrespectful, anything that has been in any way unkind or bigoted. So the leaders of the No campaign are leading by example. They cannot control hundreds of thousands of people, so there have been things that, that are, are just awful from both sides. But if you look at the, at the leaders of the Yes campaign, they are the ones calling people names. We have Bill Shorten calling people homophobes and bigots. We have people like the Green Sky Rodney Croom, actually encouraging people to make complaints against people like Archbishop Julian Portis. It was him who, Rodney Croom was the one who was urging teachers and parents to complain to the anti-discrimination commissioner that he was actually speaking about marriage to his parish. And so... I think this is where people would need to look. We need to look at the leaders. So the leaders of the No campaign are um, being res- respectful, they're being considerate, they are listening to both sides... When we have the leaders of the Yes campaign calling people homophobic homophobic and bigot, what can we expect from the people who are following
0: that? And when you've got material being distributed that is endorsed by the Coalition for Marriage or the Australian Christian Lobby or uh, whatever group it might be, usually, and as you say, in every case, it's going to be respectful, it's going to be courteous. Absolutely. And churches distributing their own material, in most cases, it's going to be respectful, it's going to be courteous it's going to be drawing people's attention to the real issues at hand but when someone in the church decides to write their own little bit on the bottom and i'll just make a reference to hmm. something that was written and uh, and someone had written on the bottom of a, a church tract um they they'd written uh, let me see where have i got it here um the idea that uh, I can't People see where I it. I think
1: that oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, you know,
0: if you if you vote yes, you'll be going to hell. Mm. All <laughs> right, so. And in some ways, we might look at that and uh, and think that's a little bit crazy, and uh, we wouldn't ne- wouldn't endorse that at all. No. Uh, but you do have to be very careful. If you're going to be distributing leaflets, uh, distribute the leaflet as it is without actually adding your little bit on the end.
1: Absolutely, because again, I think the really important thing is that we have to stick to truth with love. Well, it's not true that if you vote yes, you're going to hell the only reason that you're going to go to hell is by rejecting Jesus' offer of salvation. So something we do or don't do is not going to get us into heaven or hell. So for me, um, truth in love is what you've always got to ask yourself. So if you're out there and you're speaking to people, just have that in the back of your mind all the time, truth in love. That's what Jesus did and that's what he calls us to do. And that is what is going to actually win or lose this debate. That and prayer. Um, Because we... We need to be fact-based. We need to be always able to actually back up what we're saying. This is, okay, you're worried about anti-discrimination? Well, let me tell you what's already happening. You're worried about what might happen in schools? Well, let me tell you what's happened in other countries and what's already starting to happen in Australia. We need to be able to back up what we're saying with truth And we need to speak in love always. That tone really matters.
0: Now, you mentioned Archbishop Julian Porteus in Tasmania, Mm. where he was dragged before that uh, anti-discrimination commission, that Mm. tribunal. Uh, An interesting thing on the bottom of the article that I'm referring to, and I'm talking about people adding to tracts. Uh, the idea that at the end of this campaign there may well be a rush of anti-discrimination complaints that are going to be offloaded uh, to uh, the uh, anti-discrimination tribunals. And uh, it's a worrying thought that comes from the Yes campaign that says basically they're saving up Mm. complaints uh, until after this survey period. They don't upset the survey period by showing true colours, mm. uh, but there is a hint there that there's a saving up of complaints to make about particularly Christian churches and uh, people who've, uh, who've been in, engaging in this campaign. What are your thoughts on, on the idea of saving up complaints uh, for the end of the, 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 uh, the survey period?
1: So this is one of the really um, important things for people to realise about the consequences of what we're doing here in our country at the moment. Freedom of speech is being shut down. Um, And if we look at our Judeo-Christian heritage, we came from, and nobody denies that that's our heritage. I don't believe that we ever really were or intended to be a Christian nation as such, but we came from a Judeo-Christian heritage and that has stood us in very good stead so that heritage gives us an enormous freedom. We have freedoms in Australia that other countries don't have. As we have moved away from that understanding, other ideologies have actually entered into a particular education, but also our government departments. And those ideologies are often Marxist or um and, and often quite outright communist. And as those have come in, we are, we are getting less and less freedom to say things. And so you mentioned Archbishop Porteous. You mentioned that people will, um, that people are actually, there are legal firms, I think, that are actually taking note of what's happening and, and people will be taken to the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal. I myself have been taken to the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal some years ago. It took a year for me to go through that process and it's very unpleasant. Um, And this is just simply for saying something that offends other people. So the complaint against Archbishop Porteous, um, Ms Delaney who took the complaint, was she took the complaint to the tribunal because she was offended by what he said. His booklet, Don't Mess With Marriage, was a pastoral letter from the Australian Catholic bishops and what it was doing was outlining the church's teaching on marriage and it was sent to Catholic schools in Tasmania. Ms Delaney downloaded the book, she was offended by it and so she took this complaint to the tribunal and the commissioner of the anti-discrimination tribunal concluded that the complainant um, did have merit and that the commissioner was the one who decides whether it proceeds to a full investigation and that commissioner decided it was there was enough merit to re- to, to proceed. So offense is all it takes and i think people need to realize this is one of the things that we are losing through this whole process of of removing gender from our uh, from our even um, our our psyche really in australia.
0: We're taking calls on one 316 316. Let's hear from Yvonne in Fernvale in Queensland. Hello Yvonne, welcome along.
3: Uh, hello Neil, it's great to listen to your program this morning and uh, I commend um, Wendy and her team. They're doing a wonderful job for the no case but for all those other things too that are being threatened in our law here in Australia. And I really uh, had been thinking about there's going to be quite a debate on Q&A next Monday night. We need to pray for the ones who are coming on representing the no case because they're really going to be heavily opposed. And uh, I, I've been thinking just one little point. I just wish people maybe would understand this, that they're pushing the yes case is pushing the um, belief that love is love and if you love someone, you know, obviously you can marry them or, or whatever, live with them um, have relations with them, and I'm, I was thinking, you know, in the Bible, there are four different words for love, and I mean, mm-hmm. it goes from everything from uh, loving God with all our heart to loving our country, loving our friends, our family, and they're all different uh, words, and one of the words, of course, is eros, which is an erotic kind of love, which is the Hugh Hefner kind, and uh, and with all the problems that are happening uh, in the Weinstein case. And I just believe if Christians are informed and we do show love when we speak about these issues, then we may be able to have a chance, if we're informed, to explain some of these differences.
0: Yvonne, good thoughts there uh, let's talk about love for a few moments Yvonne yeah. raises a very important uh, idea yeah. that uh, as Christians we understand that there are complexities and there are all different sorts of love she named the one called Eros love mm. uh, we often talk about uh, the one, the unconditional love of mm. God uh, and we talk about love uh, that a brother might have for a sister which is, you know it's it's male, female but it's not sexual it's, it's a beautiful uh, sense of that sort of love. Your thoughts Wendy, on on the sorts of things that Yvonne is sharing there about the fact that somehow or other love has been hijacked and people don't understand it's quite complex. It is.
1: Yvonne, thanks so much for ringing in. The the love that a husband is called to actually love for his wife is the same love that Christ had for his bride the church. And so we're talking about a self-sacrificing love. We're talking about a love that puts other people before ourselves. And our understanding now in our society is just this um, love is a sense of attraction. So if, I, if I'm if i attracted by something and I, I can love it, so I can actually, and, and as you say, Yvonne, there's only one word, so I can love ice cream, I can love a pet, I can love my husband, and I can love my children. For anybody to say that love is love and there is no difference, it just doesn't even make any sense. Uh, when um, Hugh Hefner died, uh, you know, there were so many Twitter feeds saying, we love you, Hef. Well, he didn't understand love at all. Like there was no self-sacrificing in his type of love, um, it was lust. And so, you know, for anybody to, if they just thought about it even for two minutes, they would realise that love is not love. Love, if you and and then it all comes, you know, to just this sense of attraction. Well, I love you. I'm going to love you now. Maybe I won't love you tomorrow um, because you know, I
0: might change. Uh, Wendy, let's take some calls. Uh, Lots of people trying to get through. Let's first of all hear from John in Somerset in Tasmania, waiting patiently. Hello, John. Welcome along. Uh,
2: Good morning, uh, Wendy and Neil. Uh, The other day I was in an op shop and I happened upon a a copy of George Orwell's Animal Farm. There's been a lot of talk about equality. Mm -hmm. Of course, the revolution of the animals in George Orwell's story comes up with a constitution of seven commandments. But by the time you get near the end of the book, those seven commandments have been whittled away to a single commandment which ran, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. A redefinition of things, of course, uh, sits very well with postmodern philosophy, which tells us that all that matters is stories, because truth, if it is really the case, or even if it really exists, we cannot really know it. So uh, the whole... uh, uh, gender spectrum notion uh, is built on uh, the idea uh, that everyone must make up their own story and that their particular outlook on things is just as valid as someone else's. Of course.
0: John, you're making a very, very good, sound and solid point. And uh, certainly, you know, all animals are equal. Some are more equal than others. Uh, and this idea of a post-modern thought where what's true for me may not be true for you. And if we tell our story, well, we have to be respected for the story we tell. As Christian believers, uh, we're drawn into something more substantial, more solid, a personal God who is the foundation of truth. Uh, Wendy Francis, as, as John's sharing those sorts of thoughts, uh, what's your response for him?
1: It's interesting, John, because I've been looking back at that George Orwell book as well uh, in the context of Marxism, which I think is really um, one of the big issues that we're facing, particularly in our schools. But certainly... Um, you know, George Orwell himself was talking about freedom uh, in that book and I, this is one of the big concerns that we have, that we're losing our freedoms. Um, all animals are equal but some are more equal than others. That's not what God says. God says um, that he's created human beings in his own image and each one of us are actually equal. But just being equal doesn't mean that we're not different. We are different with different... Um, that God has called us to different uh, functions but we, we certainly are equal. And I think um, a lot of our politicians at the moment would do well to go back and revisit that George Orwell book, uh, The Animal Farm.
0: Thank you so much to John in Somerset in Tasmania. Let's take a call from Graham. Uh, Graham in Tasmania too. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Graham, are you with us? Graham, are you there? Yeah, oh, sorry. I yeah, can hear I can you, guess. yes. Yeah. what are your, Graham. What are your thoughts, Graham? Uh,
3: look, uh, people realize that this world is Satan is wants to destroy this world, it's working very powerfully now in the world all these rights this is Europe, well I should say uh, the world that knew God that had access to God blessed, we have turned from God and all these things the terror, terrorists attacking us and all these sufferings because we have left God and God says I'll give you uh, children and women to rule over you and they shall destroy the way well, our paths are destroyed through lack of knowledge of God.
0: It's a tough lesson to learn uh, to recognise that moving away from foundations that we might understand are Judeo-Christian foundations actually have consequences and ramifications. Mm. Uh, your thoughts for Graham, Wendy? I think,
1: um, Graham, what, what I really believe is, uh, you know, what you're saying is that our fight is actually not against flesh and blood, but this is actually a spiritual war that we're in, and not just about marriage, but in our country And so this is one of the reasons why there is absolutely no excuse for anybody to hate anybody else because our fight is not against our fellow Australians. This is a spiritual war and I I believe that... um, that prayer prayer is where we need to really find ourselves at this stage.
0: Thank you so much to Graham in Tasmania. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Uh, we took a call from Robin in Air in Queensland and uh, Robin wasn't able to stay on the phone. I've got a note here. Robin says, Why can't we as Christians claim... Discrimination against our beliefs when we hear something offensive to us. That's a common sense question, isn't it, Wendy? I mean, if, if people can hold Christians to account in an anti-discrimination tribunal, why can't the Christians hold Others who are offending us to account.
1: It is a really interesting question, and I think it comes back to what we believe as Christians. And so, as we are taught in Christianity, we actually are taught to turn the other cheek. This is one of the things that we grow up with an understanding of that we don't take offence easily. And so, as Christians, we tend to um, to return uh, good for evil. And so, uh, but I don't. I don't think that. Um, necessarily, it's wrong to, t- to actually do what this uh, listener is actually suggesting because we need to start highlighting some of the issues that are happening uh, on the other side. But, but I think this is why we don't. The reason why we don't is because we're actually trained and we follow the Lord Jesus' example, who, who allowed himself to be even taken to the cross.
0: And it may be something to do as well with the idea that minorities are represented by these anti-discrimination tribunals and Christians are not considered to be a minority, Uh, so uh, we may not have the same access to those tribunals. Uh, I recall in earlier conversations where this type of question has come up and uh, someone else who had been taken before an anti-discrimination tribunal uh, asked a similar question and said, well, uh, Christians actually don't have the same rights we don't have the opportunity to be able to uh, make a, uh, mm. a complaint about something that offends us.
1: And when you're talking about rights, then it also brings up the whole concept of you know freedom of religion and freedom of speech, and we don't really have those laws in Australia. So-
0: Yes, let's enlarge a little bit on this and this is something that uh, over the previous weeks has come to light Mm. that Australia doesn't really have a sound, solid understanding of freedom of religion, freedom of speech and of course there are going to be some things that people will be able to point to but if we're contrasting Australia with other nations, where there are really solid, sound foundations for freedom of religion, like the United States, Mm. uh, then we are really on very shaky ground as these sorts of laws begin to change in Australia uh, because uh, Christians will be at the mercy of those who want to uh, take us to those anti-discrimination tribunals. Your, Your thoughts on freedom of religion and the lack of our our capacity to be able to maintain that freedom of speech.
1: So there are some who would want to then bring in a Bill of Rights in Australia and I think that that's a, a, a risky path as well. But you're right, we don't have these um, these laws in our legislation. We don't have the right of freedom of religion. I, I think one of the reasons we don't is because it's always been assumed. I mean, we, we have always lived very freely in Australia what we need to realise is there are people like uh, Mr Abbott's sister, uh, Tony Abbott's sister, Christine Forster. She was asked by Sky News um, within this whole context of the current debate, if she and her partner um, wanted to be married by a Catholic priest, um, Would should do, does she think that Catholic priests should be made to marry them? And... Her answer was, first of all, well, you know, we wouldn't do that. But it was at the end of the conversation, she said, if same-sex marriage is legalized, then people have to accept that's in the law and that's how our country works. So if we're changing the law to allow same-sex marriage and we don't have any freedom of religion laws in place, then why wouldn't a priest not be forced to actually conduct that ceremony?
0: And if we're reflecting on the experience in the United States uh, where they have uh, same-sex marriage laws now... Uh, but they have a 200-year-old, uh, what they call their first amendment, uh, part of the first ten amendments that make up their Bill of Rights, which guarantees this freedom of expression, this freedom of religion, freedom of thought, freedom of conscience, all that guaranteed, and in a law that's 200 years old. So it's not something that just is, uh, you know, snatched out of nothing uh, no. to say, oh, let's let's let all of a sudden we'll create some freedom of religion laws because even if the Attorney General. And those who might be in control of our legislation right now began to talk about those, they wouldn't be tried and tested, and they'd be actually put in place. In an atmosphere where there is such dynamic change that's already taking place, so it yeah. wouldn't necessarily guarantee the sort of freedom of religion that you and I might talk about.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, 200 years ago, when it was you know people like John Adams was putting together the First Amendment in the United States, he also said that never should the hair of any head of an atheist ever be harmed. Um, so he that what they wanted was freedom for all. In here in Australia, if we were to all of a sudden try and establish freedom of religion, uh, then there would be a lot of questions to be asked because we are a secular society. We do allow um, all religions to practice their religions freely at the moment. But if we're going to start putting things in law then what happens when a religion might have as part of their religion that they can have multiple wives or that they can have young marriages? What happens with that? So there are huge questions ahead in all of this.
0: We're taking calls on one 316 Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, good day,
4: uh, Neil. Yeah, i just re- read out a couple of quick things. Uh, it says, Bill Shorten says, you have nothing to worry about concerning religious freedoms. While actual lawyers disagree with him and actual cases in Tasmania have already proven such assurances to be worthless. Uh, University of Newcastle Professor Neil Foster said Tasmania should be planning changes to the anti-discrimination laws ahead of the same-sex marriage postal vote. He said the issue of legal protection for religious beliefs had barely been examined during the debate. And University of Sydney Law Professor Patrick Parkinson said he favoured new federal laws that would override crazy situations that in Tasmania where it was illegal to offend, humiliate, or intimidate, insult, or ridicule on the basis of one of the 14 listed attributes. You know, they, they, where the two Christian preachers were accused of offending gays and atheists.
0: Yeah, Chris, good thoughts in all of that. Uh, the idea that some new federal law would override the crazy laws of the states, uh, that's perhaps one way that 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 there could be some sort of solution but i mean people are doubting the integrity and the way that uh, our attorney general and our senior legal people might actually frame those laws uh, to actually be effective your thoughts wendy francis
1: so it is very complicated because at the moment the anti-discrimination laws are state-based and so we already have as we've mentioned the Northern Territory moving ahead with changes to axie exemptions given to religious and cultural groups to discriminate against those who don't fit with their beliefs. So we have states already moving ahead, Tasmania with and as Chris has just mentioned with the Archbishop down there so we've already got states moving ahead on this, if a federal law is going to come over and actually try and usurp all of that, what is going to be the reaction from the states in that this is a very complicated realm that we're actually moving into
0: A Biblical Perspective on Life, Culture and Current Events This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio Wendy Francis is our guest. We have been talking through a whole lot of very, very important issues that have come to light. Uh, Some of those that have been warming up now for years, uh, others like the euthanasia issue, well, a bill being Mm. presented in the Victorian Parliament today. The Harvey Weinstein issues and uh, the harassment, sexual harassment in the workplace. These things are all so, so significant and people are at risk Uh, because of these things that have been turned a blind eye to over many many years sexual harassment in Australia Wendy Francis Mm. uh, as an issue which does affect women and uh, children growing up into a Mm. a workplace environment Uh, what are your hopes that this issue having been aired to where it is now might have some sort of trigger effect for people saying we've got to put an end to this and uh, we've got to end this sexual harassment in the workplace what are your thoughts? My,
1: My hope is that people Will realize the inconsistency of complaining about what Harvey Weinstein did, and yet we are actually immersed in a culture that encourages exactly what he was doing. That you know, Hollywood makes movies; they make a lot of money on on actually perpetrating this lie about women. Um, my hope is that people will will realize the stew that we are stewing our children in and realize that we can only if you do this action then you're going to get this result and i believe that harvey weinstein is a result um, and i'm not taking any of the blame of him that's for sure he is responsible for what for his actions and every every man woman and child is responsible for their rea- for their actions but but he is the result of the culture that we have been allowing to happen. So my my hope and prayer is that we will actually be able to turn culture around.
0: Now, let me just add something in here for your comment. The idea that somehow or other all of this freedom of religion, freedom of speech laws could be connected with issues to do even with uh, workplace sexual uh, mm-hmm. dis- uh, sexual uh, harassment. Yep. And this is down to the issue of it's all very well to create a law on paper, And you've got to create endless laws on paper if you have no governance of the heart. Mm -hmm. And so what we understand about our Christian experience in church life, our relationship with God, is that his laws become written on our hearts. Mm -hmm. And then we realize we're responsible to God for those laws and we don't necessarily need those laws written on paper. But if we do away with religious freedom, uh, with freedom of speech, then those laws of the heart become confined to the four walls of the church and they will be taken out of society. Absolutely, uh, This is something, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the issues of the heart and the issues of creating laws?
1: So we only have to look um, into God's word where it says that righteousness exalts a nation and that sin is a reproach to many people that do it to all people. that's in Proverbs in Psalms. I know it says when a nation forgets God, its demise cannot be far away. And so we know that as we move away from God, uh, we will become uh, uh, less and less righteous. So there is, not, there is not that law written on your heart. But how do we actually then create laws for every situation? We become what people refer to as a nanny state. Um, and, you know, for instance, when I'm talking culturally about sexual stuff, then we have a system with our advertising, for instance, that is self-regulated. So people are supposed to regulate themselves in advertising to only um, put advertising forward that is going to be acceptable, for instance, for children. We have those sort of guidelines and it's supposed to be self-regulated. It doesn't work. So as we move further and further away from our Judeo-Christian heritage and understanding a common sense, we used to have a common sense of what was right because we had a commonality of understanding of what our Judeo-Christian heritage actually taught. We've moved away from that common sense and there is no sense of commonality in what we're, we're doing. And so we see people just completely disregarding what they know in their hearts, what must be the best interest of children because they have their own sense of law and it, and we are becoming
0: lawless. Well, if you want to shut down the church, you'll shut down freedom of speech, you'll shut down all sorts of opportunities for protection uh, for women and for children, uh, protection for everyone. I mean, it is so, so serious. Mm. And as we draw that back to what's happening right now, uh, and we haven't talked a lot about the marriage plebiscite this hour, mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Mm. uh, but this illustrates just how important it is for people to be mobilised when it comes to how they will respond to this pleb- postal plebiscite survey uh, because one way will lead Australia in a very, very different direction to what we're used to. Um, let's uh, you, A final uh, comment from you because uh, I want to encourage people to download that Freedom Team app so that they can get yep. involved and not just be a spectator here.
1: Yeah. For all of our history, we have had an understanding that family is the foundation of what is good and true and right in our country. With the change, if there was a change in our understanding of of male and female being a foundation part of that that um, marriage, that that family, uh, that fa- that foundational idea of family, we have we are just. Changing everything we understand about education, we are changing everything we understand about child's rights. We are changing everything that we understand about, but what is what is best for a child, and then what is best for the future of our nation. I think that when we we've talked to people this morning who brought up even um, George Orwell and all you know the the stuff that was with Animal Farm, and so I think we see in our education now a push for a different ideology. There's once. The Judeo-Christian heritage, if it is removed, it does not leave a void. A a different ideology is coming in and that ideology is Marxism and you don't have to look very far to actually see it. So we we are in a dangerous place at the moment in Australia and I believe that this plebiscite is a pivotal time in our nation when we can either choose what is what god says is a righteousness exaltation or we can choose the opposite and we can see what the results are going to be and the consequences will be really dire
0: well i'll encourage listeners to download the freedom team app now you'll be able to access that when you go on to the coalition for marriage website Simply Google Coalition for Marriage. You'll get to their website. You'll be able to download that app there. I assume the app is also on the Australian Christian Lobby website.
1: There's
0: a link Uh, to it there as well. ACL.org.au for the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis is the Queensland State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy, just great getting your insights today. Thank you so much for taking time to share your thoughts and your heart with us on 2020.
1: Thank you so much, Neil.